This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, Canada's largest and most influential association fighting for the interests of Canadians as we age. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby Snymer. Retired and can't afford rent? A network of seniors in Ontario has found a solution. And a record fine in a bread price-fixing scheme in Canada that's left consumers angry. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A breakthrough drug approved in the U.S. to treat Alzheimer's could soon be available in this country as Health Canada started the approval process for Lakembi. It's not a cure, but another tool in the treatment of the disease by slowing cognitive decline. The Alzheimer's Society of Ontario says the results have been quite promising. In order for the drug to help, patients would need to be diagnosed before symptoms appear, so early cognitive monitoring needs to become routine in Canada. 747,000 Canadians are living with the disease or another type of dementia, a number that's expected to rise in the coming decades. The U.S. population is the oldest it's ever been. New census data out of the U.S. shows that the country's median age is now over 38. That's up from 30 back in 1980. Like many European and Asian nations, the U.S. is graying posing challenges for the workforce, the economy, and social programs. Low birth rates are also behind the nation's rising median age. Birth rates fell sharply in the first year of the pandemic and have since ticked up. Charitable giving in the United States declined last year, only the fourth time in four decades that donations did not increase year over year. A new report by Giving USA this week finds that the total giving fell over 3% last year to almost $500 billion in current dollars, a drop of 11% when adjusted for inflation. The downturn in giving has led to issues at many charities across the country, including food banks. The percentage of Canadians who give is down 5% over the last decade. I'm done with vegans. I'm absolutely done, done, done with vegans. Well-known celebrity chef John Mountain is banning vegans from his restaurant Fire in Perth, Australia, after a dispute with a customer. And he claims that despite the ban, business is booming. The controversy stems from a vegan diner who left a one-star review that discussed his shortcomings as a chef. The customer stated in capital letters that she was vegan and her gnocchi and risotto were just okay, but not that filling. A 45-year-old man in Belgium faked his own death and then arrived at his funeral in a helicopter to surprise his family. David Berton and his family never invited him to gatherings and that they grew apart. So he wanted to give his family a life lesson to see who would show up to his funeral. His wife and kids helped him pull off the prank. At his funeral, Bairton made a grand entrance in the helicopter. Video of the entrance shows some relatives hugging him while others appear confused. He later said that only half of his family came to his funeral, which he says proves who really cares about him. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. 
Necessity is the mother of invention, and that's what motivated a retired Ontario woman to create a network for other women who found themselves retired and unable to afford rising housing costs. Average rent across Canada is up about 20% from the pandemic low and still rising. So Pat Dunn of Peterborough founded Senior Women Living Together to help others find roommates to share rising housing costs. I caught up with the resourceful 73-year-old former public health nurse who calls this her mission. Tell me a little bit about what happened in your life in 2014 that kind of changed things for you. Uh, Well, my husband died suddenly. He was 66. That changed my life (laughs) hugely. And, uh, but, uh, you know, time, time has made it much better. I, um, realized very shortly after he died that I was not going to be able to afford to live on one income. And so I had to start thinking about different ways of making something affordable. And I couldn't find a way. Um, uh, there was nothing out there that I could do. And so I eventually, um, decided that, um, I needed to start something myself. So I um I got to get I opened a Facebook group and invited women, local women in Peterborough area to come and talk about living together as a way to save money and also to have some social support. And it's just grown and grown and grown from there. You have said that you considered yourself lucky because you have a pension to top up CPP and OAS benefits, but it still wasn't enough. That's correct. Um, I had been uh, a public health nurse for 13 years prior to retiring, and uh, that's the only pension I got was for the 13 years, and it wasn't wasn't nearly enough. So let's get back to senior women living together. Tell me a little bit about the group. Who's eligible? How many women are now part of it? Well, it's uh, for women 55 and older who are living alone or are alone in life. It's a, a, a platform where they can find other senior women, discover whether they're compatible with them, talk with them, get to know them, and then ultimately choose a place to live together. And we have about 500 on the website right now, and in our Facebook group, we have about 2,500. So tell me a little bit about your current living situation and um, how many live with you, and how do you sort out the payment? Oh, well, that's interesting, too. Yes, we, um, uh, there's, uh, I met them on, in the Facebook group when I opened it up. There's two of them, two others, so there's three of us living together. It has worked out fine. Um, you know, we've had our ups and downs, so personality issues and things we've had to work out, but it's, uh, it's been, you know, we have wonderful examples of, you know, eating together and enjoying each other's company and having someone to be there when we're, we're needing help um, and to provide that help if possible uh, that make it all worthwhile. And we basically split the rent um, based on um, need and space that we're using. Uh, other homemade groups, uh, success stories we've had, they'll, they'll split the rent three ways or four ways equally. Uh, but it, it depends. Each homemaker can decide that for themselves. Aside from affordability, there is that sense of community that, that helps with isolation that so many se- seniors deal with. Well, that's the thing. It's got, it's a twofold kind of thing. You get the, um, added benefit of, uh, having a social network right there at arm's length. And it makes a huge difference. It was really highlighted, uh, by COVID, especially for seniors and seniors living alone. That really brought it to the forefront for many. 
of course, the financial um, benefits are there, but um, some people started to find that um, even though they could afford to live on their own, although it might be a pinch, um, the idea of having some social support was was also very appealing to them. And you've called this your mission. Well, it wasn't when it started. It, it, it was just I was looking for some homemates for myself, and then suddenly there, by the end of the first month of the Facebook group, there was 200 women. And I thought, well... I don't need 200 women to choose from, uh, but I sure do need help to help all these other women. I did some research and realized how big a problem it was. In 2016, there was 140,000 plus senior women living alone in poverty in Ontario. I don't know if that number's grown or not, but that was the statistic back then. This is way bigger than me, and um, I want to do what I can to help. So I started to build uh, a program that everybody could engage in and ways to find out if they're compatible, etc. And and it just kept growing from there. Through your research, did you model this after any other program that you saw, or did you come up with this from scratch? How did you come about this idea? Uh, well, you know, I did some research. Yeah, I, I sort of looked at um, shared living arrangements around around the world, and it's actually not that uncommon, mm-hmm. although it seemed to be uncommon here when I started. Um, yeah, so I so gathered a bit from here and I gathered a bit from there, and then my own background in having done program development um, in my lifetime, I, I, the, some of it came naturally to just to, to, to create it into a program. So, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't make it all up. <laughs> a lot of people wonder if I was inspired by the Golden Girls uh, show. And frankly, I didn't even think of the Golden Girls show when it first started. <laughs> but it was everybody saying, oh, the Golden Girls. And I thought, oh, yeah, I guess it is kind of like that. So <laughs> that was a that was a comedy, but we weren't really experiencing a comedy. There's sort of a leap of faith at the very end. Um of when all said and done, but if you have good communication skills or you learn, if you're willing to look at yourself and your own behavior and uh, make changes uh, as needed, and the the um, the caring is is there in the relationships, then it works out. Pat Dunn, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. That was Pat Dunn, founder of Senior Women Living Together, that helps others find roommates to share housing costs. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, consumers targeted in years-long bread-fixing scandal. Are the penalties enough? You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting for financial security for our seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. Canada Bread will pay a historic fine of $50 million after pleading guilty this week to its role in a criminal price-fixing arrangement that raised the wholesale price of fresh bread. This country's Competition Bureau says it is the highest price-fixing fine ever imposed by a Canadian court. Canada Bread admitted it arranged with its competitor Weston Foods to increase prices for various bagged and sliced bread products. It's the first time any companies beside Loblaw and Weston admitted to being involved in the scheme since the story broke back in 2015. 
We reached Sylvain Charlebois, Senior Director with the Agri-Food Lab at Dalhousie University, to ask, is this just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to food price fixing? I thought we were done with Breadgate six years ago when Loblaw confessed to bread price fixing offered customers that whopping $25 gift card. This now seems to be industry-wide. What is going on? Well, actually, uh, six years ago, Loblaw did say that it was industry-wide. They, they, the company threw everyone under the bus, including Canada Bread and, and four other companies. Uh, so that would be Sobeys, Metro, Walmart, Giant Tiger, and of course, Maple Leaf Foods, which used to own Canada Bread. Basically, the investigation was ongoing. It's still ongoing today. What we learned yesterday is that Canada Bread, now owned by Grupo Bimbo out of Mexico, they are admitting guilt, and, and they are paying a fine of $50 million. So that's all we know. So this is the third company coming forward with a confession. Why did it take six years to fix it? Well, you may want to ask the company. My guess is that, well, in 2017, when Loblaw came out with the news, people were a little shocked. They got $25, and the story just went away until... Last year, uh, when food inflation became a real problem, and uh, when it became a real problem, people started to talk again about the bread price fixing scheme impacting consumer trust. And I suspect that people at Canada Bread uh, felt uh, uneasy about the whole situation and wanted to get to the bottom of what was uh, what was going on and wanted to dissociate itself from from what happened in the past. Uh, so essentially what happened yesterday is that we saw you saw a Mexican company telling Canada to fix its food industry problem. So you, you've referred to this as a cartel. How much did this crime set Canadians back over the last few years? Financially, we actually estimated uh, back in 2018 in one of our reports that uh, the average family overpaid bread by anywhere between three hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars over fourteen years that's that's the real cost of the cartel but it's a bit of a gut punch for consumers. We've got this high inflation, we've got bread that's inflated at a price when it is a staple for so many people in this era when it's 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 tough to get by, and now the company is facing a historic fine It, it really makes consumers angry, and it doesn't feel like we have much recourse. No, I think it falls on on the Bureau to do something about it. Uh, Now, we've just learned today that uh, the Bureau will be releasing its study on the food industry next week on Tuesday, and I think expectations uh, are are quite high. But uh, pressure is mounting on on the other companies uh, to come forward or to at least do something except Instead of just denying everything, I, I think the five companies will need to do something, especially Maple Leaf Foods, because yesterday uh, what you saw was a company taking responsibility for something it didn't do at the time. I mean, it, it was it was a different ownership. That ownership is Canadian, and that was represented by Michael McCain himself, who's retiring. I think a lot of questions would need to be directed at Maple Leaf Foods because they are in the meat business as well. And there are speculations that perhaps meat prices are also impacted by fixing. So there's lots of unknowns here. And uh, and I think Canadians need to, to uh, deserve to 
get to the truth or to the bottom of what's going on. Well, I think another thing that angers so many is that Loblaw and Weston were granted immunity basically for being a whistleblower, for, you know, tattling on the others. So where is the recourse? I mean, they get off scot-free. Basically, yeah. Uh, that's basically what uh, what happened uh, back in 2015 when they made the deal with the Bureau, which is highly disputed by many Canadians. Uh, but we have to live with that. And that's why, moving forward, uh, any company uh, admitting guilt will have to pay a hefty fine, uh, including, uh, obviously, including Canada Bread yesterday with $50 million. It's a lot of money. But when you think of the amount of people, the amount of money that uh, that Canadians overpaid uh, bread for many years, it's not close to right. that amount. Will this shake up the food industry once and for all, do you think? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think I think the Canadian food industry has a, has a price-fixing problem. There is a culture uh, of normalizing collusion. Black, I can go on with many, the blackout period in the fall. Um, speculations here and and I think it it boils down to the fact that we don't go after criminals uh, as forcefully as in the U.S. In the U.S., many people would have gone to jail for for something like this. Final question, what as consumers can we do to help kind of regulate the industry? Not to be complacent, uh, I I must admit I was a little bit disappointed with the game public because as soon as they got their $25, the story went away and people were content about what went on for 14 years. And I just couldn't believe it. Uh, We just needed higher prices to to wake people up. And, uh, And I'm hoping that as food inflation drops again, people won't go back to sleep. Sylvain Charlebois, thank you for this. My pleasure. That was Sylvain Charlebois, Senior Director with the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.